What's up? I'm Amanda Costco, and you're listening to the Electric Runway Podcast, a podcast exploring the intersection of fashion and technology. Thanks so much for tuning in. On today's show, get ready to be wowed. We're speaking with the co-founders of Women of Wearables. That's Maria Butkovich and Michelle Hiwa. Maria is an entrepreneur with a background in marketing, public relations, and law, as well as the founder of Keisha Smart Umbrella, the Bluetooth umbrella that you never lose. Michelle Hewa also came from a legal background before founding Made With Glove, a wearable tech startup designing fashionable heated gloves for women. In addition to developing their own wearable products, Maria and Michelle help foster community and collaboration in the female fashion tech space with WOW, that's Women of Wearables. They're my guests today to talk about their entrepreneurism, their activism, and about some of the issues specific to women in wearable tech. So Maria and Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you for, yeah, thank you for inviting us. So for those who don't know, what is Women of Wearables? Women of Wearables is a UK's first initiative aiming to inspire, support, and connect women in the wearable tech first and foremost. But we do have women from fashion tech, IoT, VR, AR industries as well in our community, not only in UK, but worldwide. So at the moment, we have women from, from Canada, from US, from Asia, all around the Asia, China, Hong Kong, Singapore, and all around Europe in our community. And I would say our mission is to encourage more women and diverse teams to participate in building hardware and software products as designers, as product managers, as developers, or just being founders of their own companies, as well as create more jobs for women in STEM. We support our community through different activities, monthly events, breakfasts, mentorship, wearable tech workshops. And the reason why we basically started this was because there was a lack of female role models in the wearable tech industry. And without role models, you cannot be what you cannot see, right? So this is exactly what Women of Wearables tries to do, give these women visibility and recognition so that everyone can be a little bit more familiar with wearable tech industry from, from that angle. Yeah, it sounds like a fantastic initiative. And I've been following along on your digital media efforts. So as we all know, the definition of wearable technology has changed a lot. And you mentioned some of the ways that you're breaking that down. But perhaps if you could Tell me, how are you defining wearable technology today for your audience? Yeah, so this is Michelle now, and wearable tech is basically the use of sensors and electronics to be placed into clothing and accessories. We've seen a lot of hardware-focused wearable tech, but now we're shifting into more garment-focused wearable tech, so all the smart textiles, the technical textiles. And then it can can be categorized into many different industries, including the health, the military, the sports, and even fashion tech. But I think fashion tech sort of encompasses all of those things. You need to be conscious of fashion when you're building any kind of product that you have to wear. Yeah. And so in addition to community building, you also both individually have consumer-facing products in the wearable tech category on the market. So I thought... We could start by you telling me a little bit about your products and how they tie into your work at Women of Wearables. Yes. So my first business in wearable tech space was actually Keisha Smart Umbrella. So I started this business back in 2014. So we actually launched in December 2014 when we basically created a prototype and then a few hundreds of units of our Smart Umbrella. So it's a hardware product. 
And how it works is that we basically put a beacon in this flap around the umbrella, which she used to tie the umbrella. And then once when you turn on the beacon, you download the app to your phone and you connect, you pair your umbrella with your phone. And you'll not only get weather forecasts throughout the day, which comes very handy, especially in London, but also you'll get notification if you leave your umbrella in the public place. Because a lot of people lose their umbrella all the time, and a lot of people are actually don't want to purchase a high-quality umbrella because they are afraid they might lose it. Um, umbrella is also 100% corrosion-free and windproof, and it has 16 ribs compared to you know usual umbrellas that have between 8 and 12. And we do offer a warranty on the mechanical parts and stitches and warranty on the chip as well. Um, when it comes to the technical side of the things, we did our umbrella in a way that it currently operates with both iOS and Android app. And then we use low-energy Bluetooth technology to basically pair the umbrella via beacon with the app. And you can do different things with the umbrella. You can create safe zones so that, for example, when you're at home, you don't constantly get notifications that you lost it there. And basically, yeah, I mean, it, it's a very handy product that solves a problem, I say, you know, because I think the key of wearable technology or wearable products has to be solving a problem. And a lot of wearable products, if you ask me today, are a problem for a solution, not vice versa. So this is what we did with, with the umbrella. And we basically are continuously selling over the last two years. We sold our umbrellas in more than 40 countries around the world. And Basically, through my work in Keisha, I, I realized there are not many women in wearable tech industry. So that's what led me to starting Women in Wearables with Michelle. Yeah. And Michelle, tell me about Made with Glove. Okay. So I'm the CEO and founder of Made with Glove. Um, it's a wearable tech company based in Manchester. We design fashion heated gloves for women. We're in prototype development with a team in Silicon Valley working on the heating element for the glove. So it's more sort of garment-focused rather than hardware-focused. The concept is to measure the skin temperature of the hands to turn the glove on, so before the hands get too cold. The reason is because once the hands get cold, it's usually too late to warm the hands back up again quickly, resulting in being cold for a longer period of time. So if you can imagine when you're out in the street and you are absolutely freezing, it's usually your hands that go cold first. Your core body temperature always remains at a constant temperature, but it's your hands and feet, your nose, your ears get cold first to keep your core body temperature warm. And so, yeah, that was an idea that I came up with after I suffered my own challenges of being too cold. I love how both of your products are, like you said, Maria, solving problems that are actually problems. I'm always forgetting my umbrella, even though I'm not a person who forgets things. I'm always forgetting my umbrella and my hands are always cold when I'm out walking my dog. So I'm really excited about both of these products. And I'm also really excited that you've used your kind of entrepreneurials to parlay it into this larger conversation about women and wearables, which is a conversation that we're all obviously invested in. So the world, and I think even the corporate world as well, is now recognizing there's not enough women in STEM. And the world of wearables has largely felt this absence. We've had a lot of kind of gadgets and male-driven products on the market that haven't really done well. I mean, some of them have, but I think there's the kind of need for a women's touch. But for the past two years, the conversation has really been in my mind about how we need to move away from shrinking and pinking and towards something more integrated. So 
I want to know, as women who are working in this space and thinking about this space, where is the conversation now when it comes to women in wearables? Have we made progress? I think we've definitely made progress with more women coming into the space as founders, designers, and people designing, being conscious of not just shrinking and pinking. We have universities now in the UK introducing wearables and e-textiles into their courses, such as Queen Mary University, Ravensbourne, CFE in London. Even school children now are learning about e-textiles and the popularity of you know, the DIY electronic suppliers such as Adafruit, Kitronic, Mycursophy, Maplins in the UK, selling Arduinos specifically for wearables. So there definitely is now a market for it. We also run um, wearable tech workshops for kids so they can learn about it because people see the end product, you know, the fitness trackers and the smartwatches, but they don't know much more. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree with Michelle. And when it comes to women and STEM, I would say it's crucial to start with education as soon as possible. You know, when you're 20 plus, it's almost too late. We have to teach young girls that tech can be fun and interesting and that it shouldn't be reserved only for men. But I think from my point of view that the key is in presenting indifferently to men and women. Our brains just work in a different way. And women are more likely to get engaged with, with technology if you approach them with fashion tech, smart jewelry and other visually appealing products. So that's also the reason why women are more likely to buy smart jewelry piece than fitness tracker. It all comes down to what problem do you solve and how good it looks rather than packing the wearable with many sensors that you might not even need. And one of the things which Michelle also mentioned that we at WOW do is support and mentorship and helping, you know, that educational level by building, you know, a community of women who can then exchange skills and knowledge and, you know, get more women in pursuing their career in tech. Yeah, I think that's a really good point about how STEM, like math and coding is presented in a way that is kind of made for the male mind. And so women have a hard time wrapping their head around it sometimes. And when it's presented in a more accessible context, then they learn better and they're more excited about it. I think that's that's a really good point. So from the way I see it, I still see a lot of shrinking and pinking on the market, but those companies aren't mm-hmm. doing well. They're actually experiencing this backlash. Um, women don't want to buy their products, especially now yeah. that their products are next to products that are made by and for women. So you can really see the difference. So I want to talk a little bit about the ways your organization helps foster development in wearable tech for women. So you mentioned some classes for kids as well as breakfast meetings. Break it down for me. Like how do you kind of organize your calendar with all of these events going on? Okay, so... What we do at Women Are Wearables, we do a lot of activities, but my focus is on delivering wearable tech workshops for kids and adults, specifically aiming at girls to teach them that coding is not just about sitting in front of a computer, like we just discussed. It teaches skills such as sewing and making things that they can wear and decorate. Coding allows them to interact with the garment. We also hold events to educate, inform and connect the community about the different types of wearables out there that are founded by women and what problems that they solve as well. So Maria is very good at pushing the event side of things, so I'll, I'll let Maria discuss that. <laughs> yeah, so wearables is still a new industry, right? So we realise that if we, if we want to build an online community, we have to provide a little bit more than just, you know, organizing events for the sake of the organizing events. So support and mentorship as well, because it's challenging for female founders operating in this space. And not only founders, anyone basically, to be supported if they aren't based in major city with physical access to support networks. 
I always say, you know, for us in London, it, it seems to be a much easier than in, in some country that doesn't have such a big tech hub as, as London or Silicon Valley or any other city, major city or, or area in the world. We are trying to solve this problem by building online community of women and men as well and connect them even if they are in another part of the world because remote work became the norm these days. And we also provide women opportunities and, and connect with each other in order to connect with each other to ensure not only that businesses and ideas succeed, but also for the wearables industry to succeed because this is not important only for startups, but also big industry leaders. Yeah, very cool. I'm really excited about all the work you're doing. And I think it's really cool that the abbreviation is WOW, because wow, like you guys are just doing <laughs> yeah. so much. It's, it's so fantastic. So as I understand it, you both started out as lawyers. Tell me about your entrepreneurial journeys and maybe how you found one another as well. Okay, so I started Make With Love in 2014 after I resigned from my job as a solicitor working for the Western Australian government. So I'm from Australia, if you can't tell from my accent. I've spent the last three years learning about the wearable tech industry, meeting key people in the industry, forming networks and attending wearable tech conferences, both in the UK and the US. The industry is still in its infancy and the challenging and exciting part of it is being involved in it and having the opportunity to shape its future especially now as we move into e-textiles, technical textiles and smart garments, which is where my focus is. Running the business and developing a product requires me to wear many hats. Having a legal background is really useful because I'm trained to foresee risks before they occur. Everywhere I turn, there is a legal issue. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad, but it's because I need to sometimes get on with developing the product. And the great thing is I draft and review all commercial contracts, saving me a lot of time and money. I have lawyers to call upon when I need advice, but generally I'm comfortable with most legal issues. I met Maria through Ada's List in 2015. Do you know about Ada's List, Amanda? No, I don't know if we have that here. Oh, okay. So Ada's List is a women in tech group and it's, it's a forum actually. And it started in the UK, but we do have a lot of women in the tech industry worldwide. A friend of mine who co-founded She Says Manchester, which is another women in tech digital group, saw a note from Maria asking to be connected with female founders in wearable tech. I connected with Maria and wrote a blog about Keisha, the smart umbrella. I noticed she was always bubbly and always responded to emails and was very true to her word. She was also so kind to send me a free Keisha umbrella and I absolutely loved it. And just hearing your story, Amanda, she kind of did the same and she's just amazing. My blog received an amazing response and I won a highly commended blog award from the UK Blog Awards last year for my WTF, which stands for Wearable Tech Fashion Blog Series that I write. And I finally met Maria at the Wearable Tech Show this year and we were inseparable for two days. And, um, <laughs> that's how well was born. That's great. And Maria, maybe you could talk a little bit about how you got into hardware and you were a lawyer as well, as I understand it before. Yes, that's true. So basically, my professional journey started also in a, in a legal world. I was a corporate lawyer um, for eight years. And back in 2012, 2013, when I started my journey in tech world as well, somehow gradually, I needed some change or at least addition to my life. And so I became startup mentor, one of the creation startup incubators. 
And I was helping early stage businesses with legal issues they had, you know, usual stuff that every startup founder has. And then I was a tech journalist as well for some major creation media titles, second business media titles. And it brought a lot of creativity in my world. And I met amazing people. And I was organizing hackathons in Croatia with, with my two friends. And that's how I got into tech. And then my husband in 2014, he got a job in London and we decided to move. And it was a quite a big change, I would say, for me, because not only did I change completely my career, I also ch- changed country I lived. So it was a really re- big, drastic change. And at that point, I decided to completely focus on tech and, you know, continuing my career in tech space. So I decided to stick to digital marketing and PR because that was something that was very close to my previous journalistic job. And it brought me enough diversity, right, and creativity. So we co-founded Keisha Umbrella company in 2014 in December and we launched then and then we co-founded WOW in March this year. So I still work as a digital marketer and PR consultant for a couple of clients and I'm still, you know, trying to manage my time effectively and juggle all these things and wearing multiple hats, but it's going well and you just have to stick to become very organized, which we women, I think we definitely are. So, so far, so good. (laughs) Yeah, you're doing an amazing job at it. I'm very impressed at all of the activities that you're both juggling in addition to, you know, managing your products that are on the market. So it's the beginning of 2017. And a lot of people are planning out their event calendar for this year. The events in fashion tech have gotten bigger and better. I want to know what do you have on your radar for 2017? We've actually just started looking at our events calendar, actually, we've got events starting in February in London, panel discussions, and we've got wearable tech workshops. And we've also formed a partnership with the Wearable Tech Show in London in March 2017. So that's something that our community can really benefit from. It's a really big show. There's, I think, about 4,000 delegates that come to, to London over a two-day period. I love going there. And that's how Marie and I obviously met. There's also Women in Tech Festival in Mountain View in March that we're media and community partners for where we also host WOW meetups, including breakfast events and how-to events in London next year. Yeah, so with all these events, and we are always, you know, looking for partners and, and, you know, different community partners, I would say long-term partners that will help us to deliver because I think collaboration is the key. So if anyone definitely wants to to connect with us or co-organize something with us, even remotely, we would love to. Our main goal, ultimately, is to world's biggest community of women in wearable tech space, but not only female founders, as I mentioned, but also product designers, UX designers, app developers, smart textile designers. And this community will, in that way, not only become amazing talent pool, but it will serve as a source of inspiration for all those women who would want to pursue their career in tech industry or maybe switch from some other industry, but they don't know how to do it, when to do it, you know, because a lot of time women do know what they want, but they just don't know where to seek for it, where to find technical co-founder, where to find for support, you know, investors. So we want to tie up all these people, you know, community people into into one thing. So in, in one place, we want to have investors and, you know, people who can help uh, female founders deliver their businesses, their products better, um, consultants, anyone who has interest in wearable tech space in general. Yeah, it's funny because I used to think that just by writing about fashion tech and wearable tech that I would be doing something in the community. And I think that you are to a certain extent, but I'm noticing that 
community is so strong and so important. And all of the successful entrepreneurs and companies that I have seen have fantastic networks and have a support system that they can rely on and an ecosystem that they can rely on for different types of support. So I really think that it's important not only for women, but for an emerging space. You don't know what's out there Mm -hmm. when you're talking about smart fabrics. And so to be able to tap into a community that's working and thinking about this space is absolutely invaluable. You're absolutely right, Amanda. You know, I thought I knew everyone in the industry when I was doing my research while building my gloves. But since starting WOW, one of our activities that Marie and I do and Rachel, our wearable tech assistant, is we interview WOW women who are in the space. And we've met so many more women within the space doing these things. And they don't actually, they're not out there, but we found them and we've given them visibility and asking them specific questions and they can share their knowledge on what they've learned. And it's amazing. I I learn something new every time we interview a WOW woman. Yeah. And so our audiences can learn something more from you. I want to ask, as women working at the intersection of fashion and technology, what do you think fashion can learn from tech? And I'll turn the question on its head. What do you think tech can learn from fashion? Okay. So for me, what I've learned is tech takes time to build. Tech just has to work and the design can come later. But tech needs to understand the challenges in design so they can build around it. Tech takes many iterations and prototypes before the final product, and you need to be patient when you're dealing with tech. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree with Michelle. And I think also what fashion can learn from tech is that it should not be afraid of, you know, trying out and exploring how to incorporate tech into its own world, not to, you know, be afraid of it. I think that's why collaboration is the key between fashion and tech. Because fashion tends to be old-fashioned, if you know what I mean. <laughs> tech companies, and especially startups, are more agile. They're ready to innovate. So I think if we can, you know, find some middle ground between fashion and tech and then combine these two industries, that can be amazing. Yeah, it's certainly true. I find that fashion is so used to operating inside this walled garden and to innovate and have something go wrong, that's like their nightmare. Whereas in technology, it's so commonplace to have failure, to have iterations. And so it's kind of like a loosening up of the fashion industry, I find, and maybe a refining of the tech industry. So I think it's a match made in heaven. I think that there's a lot for both industries to learn from one another. Also, I think that, you know, what, what tech can learn from fashion is that it has to look appealing, right? And it doesn't have to do everything, you know. There's no need to, if you're building, I don't know, a smart jewelry or whatever, to put so many different sensors, you know, on on top of that. Sometimes, you know, just a plain, simple feature will do. And it obviously doesn't have to be pink as well to appeal to women. Um, (laughs) There are much more than that. (laughs) And, you know, tech industry should ask women what they think. Uh, Would they wear something? Why not? Why yes? You know, that will give a massive insight to tech industry and also... You know, we want it now in a way that it's fast fashion. You know, tech is developing so quickly, but like it doesn't have to necessarily be that way. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, Maria, it's so interesting. I'm hearing this from a lot of people now that the simplicity is key. So build something, have the functionality and do it properly rather than trying to have it do everything. It's almost like if you don't know your audience, then 
You're going to be trying to pack all of these functionalities and aesthetics into one product. But if you have one idea and you understand your audience really well, then you can deliver that really seamlessly rather than trying to be like a smartphone of exactly. fashion tech. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's quite funny because I had, when I was exhibiting at the wearable tech show, my, my first prototype, I had a man that came up to me and asked me about my gloves. And he said, can you make it so that you can find your keys? How, how about how about a glove that, that you can talk to it as if it's a phone? I was like, no, I just want it to heat up. And yeah. My hands. <laughs> if your hands are warm, then you can hold your phone to your ear. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> I don't want a go-go gadget glove. Yeah. No, it's true. I don't want to go. That's funny. That's a great way of putting it. So I want to know how can people look at your products online and buy both the Keisha Smart Umbrella and Made With Glove if they're interested? Yeah. So basically for Keisha, most of our sales still comes through our online shop. So if you go to www.getkeisha.com, you'll find our web shop. At the moment, we are completely sold out. So we sold everything we had after we got published in Goldman Sachs official gift guide for 2016 a few weeks ago. So we are coming up with a new stock. So I, I would say in about a few weeks, we'll have a new stock. Um, yeah, ready to go. So also, our Twitter handle is GetKeisha, so you can follow us on Twitter. You can find us on LinkedIn, myself as well, as well as Women of Wearables, if you go to womenofwearables.com. Yeah, and Michelle? Yes, and you can go to madewithglove.co.uk. We are in product development, so there's not a lot on there, but you can follow me on Twitter at madewithglove, and I've got loads of things going on at the moment, especially with Women of Wearables as well. But the gloves, hopefully, should come out by next year. Fantastic. And we'll put all the links to your stuff on Electric Runways that people can take a look. Maria and Michelle, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you. That was my conversation with Maria Bukovic and Michelle Hua, co-founders of Women of Wearables. To learn more about WOW, as well as their fashion tech products, I invite you to visit electricrunway.com, where we always put images, videos, and links to accompany these podcasts, as well as lots of stories at the intersection of fashion and technology. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We're at electric underscore runway, and you can also find us on Facebook. I'm your host, Amanda Costco. Thanks so much for tuning in, and until next time, here's looking towards the future. Music from today's episode by Jeff Kale.